sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. We're continuing our series on prayer this morning by learning to pray like Jesus. Now, when I say praying like Jesus, my mind immediately goes to the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught us how to pray. And it might be weird to have a series on prayer where we're talking about praying like Jesus to not talk about the Lord's Prayer, but I've got a couple reasons that we're going to be in a different section today. First of all, we just talked about the Sermon on the Mount at length uh, in a series not too long ago and covered the Lord's Prayer in that. And second of all, I want us to look at how Jesus prayed. We, got, we have this wonderful passage in John chapter 17 where we get to eavesdrop on a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. He wasn't teaching someone else how to pray. He was doing the praying. So we're going to look at that when we talk about how to pray like Jesus this morning. So we're in John chapter 17. We're going to read the whole chapter together. And this is taking place right before Jesus gets betrayed by Judas and starts his road to the cross. Here's what Jesus prayed. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you've given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you've given me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had in your presence before the world existed. I've made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words you gave to me I have given to them, and they've received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy be made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm asking you to take them out of the world. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so they may also be sanctified in truth. 
I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on the behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you and these that you have sent me. I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love which you have loved me may be with them and I in them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you ever wonder, maybe I'm just alone in this, but do you ever wonder why Jesus needed to pray? Right? We believe that Jesus is God. So why did God have to pray to God? Why did God the Son need to pray to God the Father? It baffles me. I don't know. If Jesus is God, then why does he have to do any praying to God? I thought maybe, maybe it was the whole point of Jesus' prayer here was so that it would be heard by John and recorded in the book of John and so that we could overhear it. Maybe he's praying less for his own benefit and more for our benefit so that we could hear these words and put them into action. God bless her. She's passed on. But Sarah Beth's grandmother was notorious for this. At family meet gatherings, she would sit there and pray for the meal. And she was not a short-winded woman. And she would pray for each person there and what she wanted them to do differently in their lives. The point of that prayer was not so that God would hear it. It was so that we would hear it. Kind of a, a shame prayer from Sarah Beth's grandma. She's such a wonderful woman. I don't want to speak ill of her, but my gosh, those prayers. Yeah, she did that. And I asked Sarah Beth if it was okay to say that. If she had said no, I would have said, I once knew this lady who did this. But I'm going I'm to peg it on her because Sarah Beth said it was okay. So was Jesus just praying so that the prayer would be overheard and written down in Scripture and then read by us? I kind of doubt it. I think it might be the nature of the Trinity. The Father communicates with the Son the Son communicates with the Spirit, and they all communicate with all three of them. There's this, this eternal love and communication that goes on within the Trinity. C.S. Lewis said that part of what it means to say that God is love means that God loves God. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. This communication, this love is part of what goes on in the Trinity, and we just got a snippet of it in Scripture. I think that's probably pretty likely. But, you know, sometimes I go beyond that. 
And this is, I mean, there's a lot of things I've confessed in this series that probably a preacher shouldn't confess, but I'm about to do another one, so sorry about that. But sometimes I wonder what the point of prayer is for anybody, right? Think about this. God knows everything. He knows what I'm about to think and say before I say it. So why do I have to say it to God? Why doesn't God just know what I need? Because he knows what I need better than I know what I need. Why doesn't he just know what I need and then just go ahead and do that? Why do I have to ask him for it? Why doesn't God just do whatever God's going to do? Do you ever wonder that sometimes? i got to admit, sometimes I wonder that. What, what is the point of me asking if God is omnipotent and omniscient? But then I remember that Jesus prayed. Now, I can't say for certain why Jesus prayed. I don't, I'm not privy to that. That's above my pay grade. But he did. And if Jesus prayed, what excuse do I have not to? If it was good enough for him, if that's something that Jesus Christ felt like he needed to go and do, then what makes me think that I can just cruise by on my own without having a prayer life? The fact is, God doesn't need for me to pray to him. God doesn't need me to ask things from him. I'm the one who needs it. <laughs> I'm the one that needs to be praying. I'm the one that has to have a connection with the almighty God in order for me to go. God doesn't need me to pray to him. I need to be praying to God. I think Jesus liked praying. He likes talking to the Father. And here he is doing what he does best. He's, he's communing with the Father and he's interceding on the behalf of his disciples and on the behalf of you and me. Now, we talk about, we kick around the word intercessory prayer in the church a lot. I, I don't know if, if it's ever been properly defined for me. In, intercessory prayer is when you pray on the behalf of someone else. You're praying that God will act for someone else in some way. That's all that intercessory prayer is. It's praying for somebody else. And he did it for his followers because he loved them so much. He loved his followers so much that he wanted them to have good things. And he he loved them so much that he wanted to make sure that the Father was giving them all these good things he was asking for. So let's look at some of the stuff Jesus prayed for his disciples. And, you know, he spends the first, he spends the first part of his prayer praying for himself. That's a couple verses. He spends the next chunk of prayer praying for his disciples. But then he shifts in the back half of the prayer and he prays for those who will come to faith through his disciples. You know who that is? That's you and me. We are the ones who came to faith because those disciples discipled people, and they discipled people, and on through. It's called the apostolic church. That's what it means when we say the church is apostolic. It means that we can trace our spiritual lineage all the way back to the apostles. 
And because they witnessed to someone and they witnessed to someone and they witnessed to someone and that chain went unbroken for thousands of years, you and me are here right now worshiping God. And so this prayer, especially the back half of this prayer, Jesus was praying for you. Jesus was praying for me. So here's what he prayed for us. First, he prayed protection. Now, if you look at the record of how each of the apostles died, you might think, well, God didn't answer that prayer because most of those folks died in gruesome ways, right? They died being tortured by the Romans, but I don't think God was giving them physical protection and Jesus wasn't asking for physical protection. Jesus was asking for protection from the evil one so that they didn't fall away. He knew that each of those apostles was going to die somehow, sooner or later. He knew that it wasn't likely that they were all going to go quiet and old. But he didn't send them out to die quiet and old. He sent them out into the world to make disciples of all nations. And he was praying protection that when they butted up against the forces of Rome and against the forces of the, the synagogues and against the religious leaders that, that didn't like their message, when he bumped up against those people, he prayed that they wouldn't fall away to temptation to just walk away to the evil one. And he knew, he said, the world hates them just like they hate me. They're fixing to kill me. He's, this is right after he gets done praying. Lord, take this cup from me. The world hates them. And they are going to need protection because if it's not for what God does in their lives, they're going to fall away. So he prayed that they would be protected. And in that way, Jesus did protect them. I think Jesus was praying that they would be protected from hatred. The temptation had to have been there for them to hate the world back, to hate the Romans back, to hate the Jewish religious leaders back. And they would have fallen away if they'd given into that hate. But they persevered in love and in dedication to the gospel. So Jesus prayed for protection for his followers. The next thing he prayed for them was sanctification. That's a $10 church word. But the root of that word means being set apart. Set them apart in truth and in holiness. They're set apart because they know the truth of the word of God. And they know its power. Now, John is using the word of God here, but John is also the one, famously in the beginning, said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Word is Jesus to John. So they know the person of Jesus. They know the, the living Word. They know the truth of that Word. And they are set apart because of the power of that truth. Now, there's this thing about set-apartness. When you hear set-apart, sometimes I think of like monks that are off in their own little world making whatever, wine or beer or something on their, on by themselves and never, never interacting with the world outside. Jesus wasn't saying that kind of set-apartness because he specifically said, do not 
take them apart from the world. They're in the world. And so this set-apartness is more than just a group membership that they're in. It's more than just a club that they're joining. Because if it was that simple, then the answer would have been a new institution for them to join, a new monastery for them to just go hold themselves up in. The set-apartness that they had was an inside set-apartness. A set-apartness of, of obedience and of clarity and of, and of purpose for God. That's what he was praying for his disciples to have. The next thing that Jesus prayed for them, he prayed for them that they'd have love. That's kind of the, the bottom line for Jesus. In verse 25, he said, the world doesn't know you, but I know you. I want it made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love which you have loved me may be in them. Jesus receives love from the Father, and he gives that love to us. He's not talking about the sentimental kind of love where we go around and emote all over everybody every day. It's the kind of love that's tough, that says, I'm going to be for you even if you hate me. I'm going to I'm going to refuse to hate you no matter what you do to me. That's the kind of love that Jesus was talking about. Not sentimentality, but a love that only the Father can give. He prayed for them to see God's glory. Think about how the glory of God contained in the Old Testament in the Ark of the Covenant would kill somebody if they came close to it. Think about when Moses saw the backside of God's glory as he passed on the mountain and he glowed for weeks after that. The glory of God is a big and a holy and a serious thing, but Jesus Christ prayed for you and me that we would experience the glory of God. But the big thing that he prayed for, the thing that he did, harped on in this prayer was he prayed that we the believers in Christ would have unity with each other now, I believe this unity is a byproduct of all this other stuff the unity is a byproduct of the protection that we've received and the sanctification that we've received and the love that we've received and the glory that we've seen and if we all share these things with another person then we have to be unified with them it's the transitive property. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. If I am in Christ and Christ is in me, and you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then we are united together with each other. And this unity isn't some kind of superficial unity of the unity of people that all look the same or all think exactly the same or all act exactly the same or all... Worship exactly the same. But it's a unity of people who love the same God and who worship the same Jesus. It's so amazing to me that Jesus prayed specifically for us. He knew that you and I would be coming and sitting in these pews today and seeking to be disciples he interceded for us that we would be unified with each other. Intercessory prayer is so important because it bonds the parties together. 
It bonds us with God, and it bonds us in unity with the ones that we're praying for. It's like the, the intercessory prayer is both the ends and the means. It's, it's what we're looking for, the unity, and it's the way we achieve that unity. It's the journey and it's the destination. We achieve the unity that Christ prayed for us by praying for unity for other people. We pray because the bond that it creates is the point in itself. We don't pray to communicate information to God. God already knows all the information. We don't pray to get something from God because God gives us freely of what he has. We pray because we need to be bonded to God and we need to be bonded to each other. The bond is the point. So how do we go about praying like Jesus? I think the first thing we need to do is Believe in the importance of prayer. If it was important for Jesus, it's important for you. We cannot afford to believe the lie that we don't have time to pray or that we don't need to pray because God already knows. The knowledge isn't the point. The bond is the point. Jesus prayed, so that's good enough for me. It needs to be important to me. The second thing we can do is be the kind of person that Jesus prayed for us to be. Be the kind of people that are growing in love. Be the kind of people that are growing in unity. Be the kind of people that are being set apart for his glory. And let's intercede for others. Let's go to bat for other people by lifting them up to God. Go to the bat for the people that are struggling. Go to the bat for the people that we are tempted to hate. Go to bat for the people that we just can't seem to find unity with. Pray for them. Intercede for them. Pray that God will bless them and lift them up. Jesus could have been all consumed with himself. I'm about to go to the cross. Poor me. I'm about to get killed. Poor me. But instead, he spent his last moments in prayer praying, for his disciples and praying for you and me. He wasn't worried about himself. He was pouring himself out in intercessory prayer to others. So let's pray in intercession this week. Let's pray the stuff that Jesus prayed and just see what happens. Let's dedicate ourselves to becoming the kind of people that Jesus prayed for us to become. Intercede for somebody this week. Get on your knees and go to bat for somebody else this week and see what God does through that experience. Let's pray. God, we confess that our prayer lives have been consumed with self. We're so worried about ourselves and what we're doing and how we're feeling and the people that we want to see better and we want to... Us, 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 us. Me, 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 me. Jesus, you interceded for us. Prayer was an, a priority to you. Make it a priority for us too. Help us to intercede for other people. Make us to be the kind of people you prayed for us to be. People who are set apart in truth and in love and in unity. Protect us from the evil one, Father. Help us not to fall away. 
and give us a heart of intercession so that we can pray for others the way you prayed for us. God, I pray that you will be in us and we will be in you. And in that way, we'll be united with everybody else who is in you too. Watch over us, Father. In your name I pray, amen.